I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat hair. It's a cool Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful day. From your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Mrs. Fletcher Season 1. Uh, this might sound a little bit different than normal, guys. We are doing this from isolation over the internets. There was a mm-hmm. period of time where Hunting Seasons did this. Uh, it wasn't great. <laughs> we were happy <laughs> to be back in the same room. But we're going to do our best and do this via Zoom today. How are you doing, Damask? I'm good, you know. I'm in bed in my Harry Potter pajamas, Perfect. drinking a coffee out of my Cora mug. Um, <sighs> so, I'm kind of living my best life right now. How are yeah, you doing? That sounds amazing. I'm doing okay. Yeah, all things considered. I, I've said that. I think I've said that phrase. Yeah, I'm doing all right, all things considered, at least a dozen times at work. Like, every Excellent. patient that comes in is like, how are you? It's like, yeah, all right, all things considered. Um, yeah, but it's true. Animal Crossing is getting me through. Community is now on Netflix. That's doing wonders. That is. Well, Animal Crossing might be the end of my relationship, I think. Really? Because we're like... <laughs> Because we're sharing it Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the expect, because I got it for my birthday present, which is wonderful and lovely. Totally. Um, I think the expectation was that it was my present and that's not what's happened. (laughs) Right. So, there's been a, I've been overtaken. We are a video game podcast. But I did want to uh, to mm-hmm. talk about this a little bit because Animal Crossing is quite sensational. For those who don't know, Animal Crossing is a Nintendo game on the Nintendo Switch. It's a fun little like town and life simulator with cute animals that I'm obsessed with and most mm-hmm. of the world is apparently. So, what's happening here? Is it a matter of trying to take turns playing is the problem? Or like yeah. one of yeah. the things that Stefan, because Steph and I share one as well, it's like whoever gets on first gets all the resources, right? They get to go smash the rocks and get the iron uh, nuggets and stuff and the wood and the you know, the fruit and stuff. Is that mm-hmm. where the fight is? Um, I think because <laughs> we just each want to have a great house. And I think there's just, from my end, a lot of jealousy mm-hmm. um, about what she's able to acquire because of just simply the hours that she's been playing it. Oh, I and see. And I walk into my house and I'm like, I get depressed. I was like, well, I've got nothing. I don't even have a bed yet. It's just so sad. Here's a hint. We need to get you to come visit islands. Um, I do. Come, come over. You, we, what we can basically do, I was planning to do this with um, the boys actually, was essentially have a uh, an island like tour where we go to each other's islands and look what we have because once you have something, you can buy it again or make mm. it yourself basically. So, if mm-hmm. there's something you want that somebody has, 
we're going to go and start listing, okay, Joel, I want this from you, this from you, this from you, this from you. How many, you know, bells is it going to take? I'll send that to you. You do the same for me and we'll just like make sure we all get the stuff that we want that way. <gasps> That's a wonderful idea. That's what I was thinking. Oh, that yeah. makes me happy. Great. Yeah, okay. So- you've saved my relationship. Thank you. We'll organize something like that. Uh, I did want to play there as well. Um, just while we're doing a normal review episode, we have been doing our special TV specials, our tw- TV guide, shows to watch while in quarantine or isolation. Our first two episodes are out. They go for about 30 to 35 minutes each. Um, 12 different shows recommended per episode, starting with the ones that will take you the least amount of time to watch. We're currently at about the 24-hour mark to Mm. watch a show. We've got two more of those episodes coming up in the near future, so look out for them. Um, But also, once again, I want to let everyone know that if you've got recommendations, if you hear our list and go, why the hell didn't they talk about this thing? This obviously Mm -hmm. needs to be watched. Um, Send us our way, either via text, and we'll happily read it on the podcast, or record it yourself on your phone, on your laptop, whatever, send us that video or put it online on YouTube and send us the link and we'll add it to the uh, podcast that way. I'd love to hear from our listeners. Cool. Are you ready to talk about Mrs. Fletcher season one? I think so. I hope so. (laughs) Then let's get to our spoiler-free review. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Mrs. Fletcher is an American comedy miniseries based on the novel of the same name by Tom Perotta that premiered on HBO on October 27th, 2019. The series stars Catherine Hahn as Mrs. E. Fletcher, a divorcee who, when her son Brendan leaves for college, sets out on the path of sexual discovery. Hahn is joined by castmates Jackson White, Owen Teague, Katie Kershaw, Casey Wilson, Dominic Lombardozzi, Josh Hamilton and Jen Richards as Margot, Eve's creative writing teacher. Mrs. Fletcher consists of seven episodes, each coming in at around 27 minutes and took us approximately three hours and 10 minutes to watch. At the time of recording, there is no word on whether Mrs. Fletcher will return for a second season. So, Damask, before we get to our review, mm-hmm. why did we decide to review Mrs. Fletcher season one? Two reasons and two very important reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Angela watched it and she really enjoyed it. She thought mm-hmm. I would enjoy it. And the second one is I am extremely attracted to Catherine Hahn. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Also, yeah. I noticed uh, there's a Happy Endings alumni in this show as well. I thought that might have mm-hmm. been like a clincher as well. Look, I do love me some Casey Wilson. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, with that in mind, under recommendation from your very own girlfriend and mm-hmm. because you love Catherine Hahn so much, yes. can you please give us your spoiler-free review of Mrs. Fletcher Season 1? Absolutely, Brod. Okay, Mrs. Fletcher is a vehicle for the supremely talented and endlessly watchable Catherine Hahn. We spend the majority of this show following her character Eve as she explores her new life in an empty nest. A sense of malaise fills most scenes, which leads to an insurmountable horniness. What do you do with an empty house and endless time on your hands? Well, Mrs. Fletcher watches porn. Her fantasies develop and she begins to explore what it is that satisfies her. This new world that she now inhabits is beginning to fill with characters that allow for unexpected possibilities, something she has been deprived of for a very long time. We also follow her son as he transitions from being the most popular guy at school to his college experience, which is quite different. I think the depiction of an insensitive jock who's steeped in toxic masculinity is a fascinating one to watch. This show, however, never pushes the the depiction too far. It feels honest, both in his reactions to his new social position and in the way those around him treat him. He is not a sympathetic character, but he also isn't a monster. 
The audience sees his glaring gaps in social education, even if he doesn't. And at every turn you wonder, will this be the moment that we're allowed to actively hate him? Because he sees nothing wrong with being ignorant to the experience of others or in treating women like they are objects in a porn. But the slow development of his relationships with others shows us and the character that there are consequences, mostly which is isolation. He's coming to the terms with the fact that he may be a bad guy. Both Mrs. Fletcher and her son are on a journey to discover how sex, power, fantasy and relationships all interact. And each wants to understand who they are when all of those factors intersect. This does feel like well-worn territory, but the performances make this show fascinating and enjoyable. In all of its awkward, horny energy, I wanted to spend more time with Catherine Hahn's Eve. I wanted to follow her down the rabbit hole of her own desire. The show is, in essence, indecisive. It's not really saying much, but I don't think its intention is to be revelatory. I was satisfied with the journey, but can understand that many viewers may not connect with that. I think it's an easy watch. It's short, succinct storytelling that does what it sets out to do. And I liked it. That's my review. Very nice. Okay. Mrs. Fletcher might be the most straight down the middle, capital A average show we've ever reviewed on this podcast. (laughs) I wasn't feeling this way after watching the pilot, though. My initial impression was very much positive. The setup of a single mum struggling to connect with her young adult son before he leaves for college worked completely on me. My heart was breaking for Eve, aided plenty by a great performance from Catherine Hahn, and I amused to myself that if the show was about a loving mum dealing with a fuck-up of a kid while also rediscovering herself sexually, then this could be great. Sadly, for me, Mrs. Fletcher peaked with its pilot. The show isn't bad, but it certainly isn't anything particularly remarkable. For one, it's kind of slow and meandering. With only seven half-hour episodes, you would expect things to get moving pretty fast, but the story never seemed to pick up any real momentum. Secondly, it's often cliche and basic, regularly leaning on worn genre tropes like slow-mo dancing at a nightclub and montages of characters thinking deeply of an evening, but failing to really wield these traditionally useful elements in particularly effective ways. Thirdly, it's obvious, lacking subtlety, continually hitting the audience over the head with its parallels and metaphors, nudging you painfully in the ribs with a sharp sharp elbow to make sure you understand what the quote-unquote subtext is. But at its worst, Mrs. Fletcher and the characters in it are just boring. They're flat, samey, nothing characters with little energy or personality to make me care about them, or anything that um, may be happening around them. And it doesn't need to be this way. There is substance here. The show wants to be provocative and poignant, gleefully indulging in nudity and pornographic imagery, but lacking any bite or personality to accompany it. Even with this sexual flavour, the writing and the performances aren't that far removed from something you might find on a more family-friendly network like the CW or even Hallmark, I kept thinking. The show isn't complete... The show isn't completely charmless, though. It certainly has good intentions uh, in that it's as inclusive as any show we've watched recently, featuring significant a significant trans character with a reasonably substantial storyline, for example, and even occasionally making decent, decent and meaningful observations. But it's not enough to ma- raise Mrs. Fletcher beyond the level of just okay. The question I'm left asking is maybe I'm just not the target audience, and that's certainly possible, and I would never begrudge the show for not trying to appeal to me, but if that's so, then who is it for? Me. Yes, and apparently it's Damask, <laughs> and that's great. 
And my best guess at the time of writing this was that maybe it is for people like Eve, sort of sheltered, empty nesters who identify with that character and who are happy to be spoon-fed, inoffensive versions of alternative worldviews that they haven't had to grapple with while they raised a family. If that's the case, sure. Okay, then. That's cool. There is plenty of room for that in the world, and there is always going to be space for more representation in TV. It's only fair that representation includes being part of average shows. This just happens to be one particularly average show. (laughs) (laughs) What's your score out of five, Damask? I'm giving it a four. A four? Wow. I really liked it. Um, I was even edging on a 2.5 at one stage. I'm going to give it a three. it's, It's just like I was not... Like, I'm not offended by it. I'm not made angry by it or anything like that. Mm. I just wasn't particularly roused by it either, if that makes sense. I was aroused, that's for sure. (laughs) And there's plenty of reasons to be aroused, I guess. (laughs) I mean, that's it's all right there. But it's, um, yeah, it just sort of never grabbed me in any real sense. Um, Mm -hmm. So, it's hard to, like, I've got no interest in going back and watching it, even though it tries to have this dramatic ending that might roll into a season two. I saw it coming from a mile away and it wasn't like it was hidden or anything like that, but it was no, like... No, that was how it was going to end. Totally. Yeah. And, but it was like the, even, the moment, apart from an incredible expression on one character's face, was sort of just like, okay, cool. That was going to happen and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I really care about what happens next. Um, but yeah, like I definitely would not take it away from anybody for enjoying this show. I just don't think... As much as I, there are parts of it I admire, there's a lot of it that just felt like middle of the road, just in the writing and the characters. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to spoilers so we can talk about who you connected with particularly, because mm-hmm. I struggled with just about anybody to connect to this show. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we would really appreciate you sharing this podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Mrs. Fletcher. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Mrs. Fletcher up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You You have have been been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Let's start with the question I left you with at the end of our review section. Mm-hmm. Who in particular, character-wise, did you connect with? Eve. I very much connected with Eve. Sure. Um, yeah, I enjoyed her kind of, yeah, this malaise, this boredom, um, 
but then like this this spark of curiosity. I know I just really enjoyed watching her go down that path. I found it exciting to watch. Yeah, so that's the thing I wish I felt was any particular excitement. There mm. was like, I kept thinking about like, Catherine Hahn is a very talented actress and the most they were asking her to do a lot of the time was just make a very frustrated face <laughs> and just be frustrated at everything that was going around her and she was feeling. Um, as the series went on, I think mm. I was more yeah, no, drawn into her. Yeah, I got a lot her, of like, nuance in her performance. There was... I think there's definitely nuance there. Um, as it just it kept sort of mm. falling back on some of the same. I don't know, even just because it's it's not just the way that like she's performing it right. It's like choice of shot and editing and those sorts of things, and that's where I think a lot of the show falls apart. Either the writing isn't that amazing, or the direction's kind of just like flat and like it. I don't know. It never really picked up for me. Were, were there particular moments that you found exciting? Or enticing. Do you have examples of moments that you did find particularly like exciting? Well, I think in that it's sense? like the the little hints of oh, like her, watching her interest be piqued. So I think it was the in the first episode, maybe the second, um, when she's taking the old dude to water aerobics, and you just see mm-hmm. her like, you know, do a, a double take, looking back. Um, at her friend who's running the the class. It's like just small moments, the building of tension as we see her like, you know, looking at someone or, yeah, just like a a wry smile here or there, just like really small moments that like build and build throughout the season that just adds to that kind of palpable excitement or the the possibility of something happening. It was kind of like a – a long and slow flirtation for me throughout the season with, you know, several characters. So I guess that's the question. Was that enough in terms of the the hint or the promise that maybe something would happen eventually was enough to get you through? Because I kept thinking like episode two sort of happened and I was like, okay, that was probably the necessary transition episode from the pilot into whatever's going to happen next. Not mm-hmm. much happened there. It was very much just a little bit of a hint, a little bit of a wink, mm-hmm. like, right? And then episode three happened and it was that again. I was like, mm. okay, nothing's really happening yet. I'm waiting for, like, the other the, the yeah, thing, the exciting event. I just don't think event. it was that type of show, though. I don't no. think it was going to be this, you know, heightened, overly dramatic thing. It really was, I guess, about the the natural way that those things just the yeah the simple possibility is almost satisfying enough um but then like as it increases and the fantasies increase with it that at the end I did want that satisfaction I absolutely wanted her to at least have one satisfactory like fuck session um and thankfully we got that so like by the end of it like see uh, episode six and seven I was just like, you know, clapping in moments. I was like, fuck yes, fine. Like I was so invested. I just wanted this woman to like just get her fuck on because she'd like be, been so restrained, even like even although she was exploring her fantasies by herself, which was great. In real life, she'd been very restrained and I just kind of wanted that release, if you will. <laughs> and she got there. How do you feel about the developing relationship between her and Julian, I think it is, the uh, mm. the 19-year-old from her poetry class? I was just impressed with 
how much sexual tension they had, I think. That's actually a fair point. There is a chemistry there which could be very, I don't know, artificial in a lot of places. That they actually did feel like there was something there between this 40-something-year-old and this 19-year-old. Yeah, I just thought it was really good casting because I think, you know, if you had a character like Julian's, it's so easy to make him so kind of stereotypically beautiful or alluring to an older woman. And the fact that he wasn't that, he was just kind of like, you know, a bit weird looking and, you know, awkward and stuff, but like with these beautiful puppy dog eyes. And you could see like why having someone look at her in that way was, you know, very enticing um, or complimentary. Um, And I, I just kind of thought they showed them to have a cute dynamic um, with a hint of uh, sensuality behind what was going on there. I think that's where I disagree a little bit. I agree mm. that I think the attraction was there for me. Mm. What I really had a hard time believing was that they had a cute dynamic, quote-unquote. Like, mm-hmm. the there's an episode that takes place in a bar. It's like, oh, mm. we've got to go somewhere else to have our poetry lesson because the lights are flickering here and it's all apparently making us all zombies. Let's go. One of the guys owns a bar. Let's go there. And then it turned into one of the most cliche, let's all get drunk and become real-life best friends forever that I've ever watched in a television show, particularly something from HBO. And that's mm. why I found surprising about this. Like, not, It's very, very unfair to say that everything has to be at like HBO standard, right? Mm. But it was hitting me in that place where it could have come from any sort of network television. It was so cliche and so by the numbers and didn't, it didn't get me to that point where I was like, oh... I believe, or, or I find these characters fun, or particularly interesting, or their dynamic and their their chemistry and their conversation, especially in dialogue, all that exciting. Or, um... I yeah, I actually agree with you on that point. I think in in that episode in particular, though, I think it does happen throughout different moments in the season. Is that to me, it really felt like. You know, like when you're a teenager and before anything has actually happened in your life, you like fantasize about, you know, certain scenarios happening. And so like, and then that happened and that happened that lead you to, I don't know, having a more exciting life than you actually have. Mm. It felt like that kind of teenage fantasy of, you know, you know, we're in a classroom, but like the lights flickering or we're like, you know, yeah, like you said, turning into zombie. So, you know, someone happens to own a bar. So then we'll go to the bar and then we'll, you know, we'll all get drunk and that way we'll all be loose enough to like really connect with each other and everyone's kind of going off and pairing off. Um, Yeah, it did feel like that. And also made me really aware that it was based on a book in that scene. I was like, I can see this scene in a book and perhaps it plays differently in a book. Um, But on a TV show, it does, it, it has the feeling of like being contrived. So, no, I, I don't disagree with you there. It's funny about the book as well. I haven't read the book. You haven't read the book, no, I'm guessing. No, I haven't, no. The, uh, I went to look and like what people thought about the book because I was like with the show, I'm like, I'm only, you know, slightly enjoying this at all, if anything. And I was like, what do people feel about the book? And going to Goodreads and reading through reviews, and it's a lot of like four to two star reviews as well. And then mm. people are talking about the differences between the book and the show. And basically every element is slightly varied on like mm. what sort of class they're doing, the um, you know where these people come from or how they interact and what they do and so forth. It's just that little bit different. And because it's the same, the 
person who wrote the book is also one of the executive producers and writers on the show. Mm. It's interesting they've made that choice to make those changes. And so it's funny because it... I can't say for sure, but it feels like not necessarily that they did rip these things straight out of the book. It's almost like an alternate reality version of it, Mm. um, which is interesting too. But unfortunately, that alternate reality version starts to become very by the numbers, paid by numbers sort of for me. And when I say it like felt like a CW or a Hallmark show. That's insane, by the way. But yeah, what, what I mean is that so it felt very formulaic. It's like it had the the bit that gave it texture, right, was the very sexual energy of it, that it was willing to, you know, talk about porn and female sexuality and like these, this person who is curious about finding her sexual identity in there. And that's, you would never find that in those shows. Mm. I but, don't think that's the thing that gives it texture though. And I know you don't agree, but I think, you know, Catherine Hahn's performance and the performance of a couple of uh, actors around her really gave it texture. That's what made it interesting Sure. me. I, yeah. No, I don't disagree with you that the, the, the acting, the performances are probably a level above too. Mm. But ma- but the the writing, like some of the dialogue is, is I found just, just not inspiring <laughs> at all mm. or didn't like they present these storylines that I think could be quite fascinating or uh, engaging for me as an audience member. And then they just play out in the most trite, basic I've seen a million times ways. What are you talking about? I'm I'm literally talking about like even Julian. I'm talking about Margot and Clive. I can't remember the name of the radiologist. Mm. I'm talking about um, apart from the ending moment with Brandon and the the girl he's dating in, in that as well. Mm-hmm. The it just like for instance, like the awkward meet cute moment. Or not? It's not a meet cute. The day after moment where Margot and I think it's Clive. I can't remember. Go and like meet in the bookshop or whatever, and like they're having trouble talking because there's an awkwardness there. And then they go and have a lovely day because they go and do the massage chairs. And it's like I could have seen this on any show. Or the when Brendan goes to that girl's place and like he's like you left your sex toy out. It's like you never tried this before. And they fucking have an orgasmatron moment. It's like this is like written by my mum 20 years ago. I just don't... It, <laughs> it was it, written by your mum. Yeah, it, it was just like it didn't... It, it The writing and the direction on that level, it's like I think the characters are there. I think the, mm. the, the storylines are there, as in the plot is there. Mm. The themes are there. Nothing is happening to make it anything more than like the potential was completely wasted for me. The scene where Brandon goes and he's hanging out with his dad and they go to this feminist um, like exhibition and they start literally throwing around the football. It's like oh my god, that was insane. It's but it's but it's just it's it's making subtext hypertext. Like mm. it's 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 got no subtlety, subtlety. Mm-hmm. or yeah at all. Yeah. Uh, um, and it doesn't – that's the part that I find I struggle with because I think I, I want to like these characters. I don't dislike them, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, no, I, I, I think – yeah, I think I understand what you're saying there. Yeah. What I, I wanted to ask next was who else did you particularly connect with apart from Eve? Um, I don't know if connect is the right word. I don't think it is mm. at all. But I thought um, the betrayal of Brendan was really – Interesting. I thought that I've seen that character a million times before totally. and I've seen him kind of be exposed to that situation before. Like, you know, his 
obviously was the king and then he's experiencing that fall. Um, I've seen that before. However, I don't think I've quite seen it portrayed that way. Like, because he's not – he's a dickhead and I don't like him, obviously. Mm. But I just found his – confusion like he wasn't a bad guy he was just kind of confused and totally ignorant as to why those things were happening why he wasn't able to connect um and he wasn't going out and like you know fighting people because he was so angry and he's such a you know he's full of toxic masculinity he was just kind of confused and sad and like a bit desperate to connect which i thought was i don't know i quite enjoyed that storyline I, I agree with you. And I, I think, enjoyed his uh, his lady friend. Yeah, no, I agree. The stuff with Brendan is really well executed, particularly from Jackson White. I think his performance is excellent because in the first episode, I just hate this kid. He's you yeah, know everything he's I hate about gross. about sort of you know that buzzword we love to use toxic masculinity all that sort of stuff. And to and like that was in terms of progression for me one of the better elements as well. And maybe this is. Let's. I'm just going to be real for a second. Maybe it's because it's a male character. I don't want to think that that's true, but maybe I identified mm. with that a little bit more because I know people like him more than I know people like Eve, I guess. Mm. Um, and like a few episodes in, I'm going, am I meant to like this guy? What am I meant to feel for this guy? And by the end of it, again, it's not that I like him, but you certainly feel for how lost he is. Mm-hmm. It is extremely well portrayed. Mm. He's completely out of his depth. He was not prepared for this. Um, and... I, I felt his he how lost he was. I thought that was very well executed for sure. Mm. Yeah, I just I think it was not interesting, but I just enjoyed watching the parallel between like these two people who we're told are connected. I mean, just biologically mm-hmm. they are, but aren't, but are clearly not really connected. Um, both in their sexual prime and interacting with something that we are just we simply do now which is porn and how that can be both an effective way to explore fantasy and also extremely destructive sure. i know it wasn't saying anything you know particularly powerful or new but i just kind of i guess enjoyed watching the different perspectives like depending on where you are in your developed sexuality or the things that you have experienced in life, how and, then and you are who able you to, are. yeah, and that then dictates how you interact interact with it. Um, I kind of wouldn't mind. I, I know you you are very much not interested, but I would like a season two. <laughs> like I would like to see now that he's back in the house to see them really interact with one another. Now that they're at like a different stage in their life. Well, you might be onto something there because, as I said, for me, the peak was episode one because Mm. their relationship to each other was one that I was really invested in. And I understood that they were moving apart. So, that was going to split was going to happen. But you are right. That's a fair point. If he's coming back into Eve's world and now we're going to see how they coexist or now their sort of worlds have both been shaken what that means for how they see each other, eh, that's there's something there. And they they are the two best elements of the show coming back together, being reconnected because they've been separated for the majority of the runtime. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'd watch it again. Um, I don't may- think you will, but... <laughs> well, it's a situation where 
I, I might be willing to give episode one a go and see what it does mm. if season two comes back, but I wouldn't put it at the top of my list if that makes sense. But that's yeah. like, again, it's not one I'm throwing in the trash either. You can convince me of this, right? I think there's definitely a way. If you if you are that passionate about the show that you want to see where it goes, I would happily mm. um, do more of it. Are there other characters in particular that you did connect with? Because there are... There are a lot, really, if you think about it. There's mm. the, everybody else in the poetry class. There's more of um, Brendan's uh, college mates and so forth. Um, yeah, anyone else? I mean, I was – I don't know. Well, I guess connect you just mean like um, – Did you enjoy it at least? Yeah, or, uh, I, I did. I enjoyed Julian. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed her friend Amanda. I, I actually really enjoyed their friendship. I thought that was um, – I don't know. that It seemed just nice and genuine um, but with that added, added element of um, maybe I want to fuck you, which is cool. I also enjoyed – because I'd, I'd never seen um, a queer dynamic that looked like that before. Um, which was really nice to see. I enjoyed sure. that. Um, I obviously love Casey Wilson. So she got nothing to do though. No, but she plays the same role that she always seems to play, except for her role in Happy Endings. Uh, but it's just it's just nice to see her beautiful face. Um, who else did I connect with? Yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed. Um, Brendan's lady, what's her name? Chloe? Is that what yes, we Chloe. said? Chloe, I really enjoyed. I thought she was she was, she was re- cool. Yeah, she was really cool. Um and I appreciate the fact that she was, you know, this really liberal, left leaning girl who was just attracted to basic white men. <laughs> and like how oftentimes that is so just disappointing and she's disappointed herself and ultimately it it, it ends being disappointing. Um, which she should have seen coming. She says that to herself, but, you know, you like what you like. What can you do? Um, I thought we only got a few moments, but the Brendan's roommate. Yeah. Like I, I thought he that was, was a bit more subtle thing that was happening through the show, yeah. which I did, which I liked in the, you know, it was just little interactions that over the course of six episodes that they mm. were sort of together that summed up to being like, I just, yeah, no. You're not yeah. a good guy, and I don't like I you. I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, you see like that kind of being drip fed to us throughout. Like obviously, this guy um, is a little bit more socially aware than Brendan is, and just kind of clearly distancing himself. And you know, Brendan doesn't understand why. And then at the end, ultimately, he's like, "Well." These, this is why, because this is the kind of behaviour that I expect from someone like you. Um, yeah, so I really liked him as well. Is there anything about the season that you didn't particularly like that stood out for you as being less than since I've been the negative Nancy? Um, I think the teacher... Negative Neil, sorry. Negative Neil. <laughs> um, I think the teacher and Curtis... Is that his name, Curtis? It's Curtis, yes. Not Clive, yeah. Curtis. <laughs> Um, I thought it was cute, but I mm-hmm. wanted more, I guess. Like, yeah. they're obviously just two really adorable people interacting and I enjoyed that and I thought it was a nice, happy storyline, um, particu- particularly for, like, a trans woman character. I think that's, you know, important to see. But I would have liked was- more, f- like, I don't really know all that much about her other than she's a writer and she has a cat, which is great. Um, 10 out of 10 for that. 
But other, like, I, I just wanted to know more about her, I guess. Yeah, I think that was where in my review when I was saying like representation is awesome and sometimes even representation in just stock standard like mm. down the middle things, that's part of having more representation I think is having the right to being good stuff, bad stuff and average stuff. Mm. And this is like, this was as, as average a romance as I've ever seen <laughs> Yeah, in I terms mean- of like their chemistry or what that story was. It was just a very awkward sort of romance for a while and like that was fine. But it wasn't yeah, anything special. I, I understand, like, why the focus um, in that love story was kind of the, the cross-section of, you know, the personal and political, which is, like, mm-hmm. obviously something that trans people do have to deal with oftentimes. But I would have liked more of an exploration, I guess, into how her just experience as a person who she is inside how that is dictating what's happening in the relationship more than um yeah like the identity getting in the way or her perceiving it getting in the way um of the relationship like i wanted it to be about something more than that i think like that's an important story to tell but i don't know i just i liked the character so i wanted to know more about her i just wish it was more than we got two of these in the season montages of our characters alone in their homes, Mm -hmm. drinking, having a sip of wine or drinking a coffee or just, you know, reflecting back on their day. And there was two of those and that was how they were expressing where their characters were at. I Mm -hmm. was like, it's, again, it's that middle of the road, totally basic. I've seen Mm -hmm. it a million times for a cliche thing. I think, Um, And this may be because of our current circumstance where all we do now is sit in our homes, drinking wine, (laughs) reflecting on our days. Um, that what are I was days? Like, <laughs> days don't exist anymore. <laughs> what is time? Yeah, exactly. Um, just looking to the abyss. Then I was, yeah, like, I was like, yeah, no, this feels this feels accurate. Anytime a character left the house, I was like, I don't buy it. I don't believe it for a second. This is fantasy. This is yeah. reality. <laughs> That's right. The I guess it, and that where that leaves me though is like, is this a show that didn't have enough time to mm. flesh out? all the different storylines it was trying to do in any meaningful way beyond the basic or was it a show because I also felt like momentum wise was taking a long time to get to anything sort of substantial for me disagree which you disagree with was, would this have better been movie length? Because it's only three and a half hours anyway, or less than... It's like three hours and ten minutes or something like that. Mm. Like, if you chop half an hour out of it, you've got a basically a film. I could and totally s- see it as a film. And me I, too. I don't think it would lose anything. That's that. kind of where I'm at. I'm like, mm. oh, this wasn't meant to be a series. This was meant to be a movie. Mm. Um, and that by trying to inject these other things to, to pad it out to seven episodes it kind of just became meandering and slower than it needed to be. And it could have been tighter and I think much more effective mm-hmm. for me. But mm-hmm. again, it's fine. Well, it may be horny AF, so I loved it. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes today, Damask? I do not. Okay. I've got a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, the couple of similarities to Fleabag that came up. It's just a, l- a couple of little parallels. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the show starts with anal sex, just like Fleabag does, which I thought oh, was yeah. interesting. Um, also, Wait, they does use- it? Well, Roy is, Roy is watching uh, porn and it's definitely anal sex based off the descriptions coming from the porn actress in the, in oh, the thing. Right. Oh, I yes. Was- sorry. Yeah. Yep. 
And then um, the song at the end of episode three was This Feeling by Alabama Shakes, which is the final song in Fleabag season two. And Mm -hmm. I heard it and I was like, this song has been used in something incredibly poignant before. I need to figure out what it was. And I was like, sorry, guys, this is off the table. You can't be using (laughs) this song like this anymore. It's just, it's not on. Um. The actor who plays Brendan Jackson White. Did you ever watch SPF eighteen? No, I've never. Heard it's of that like before. this bizarre room, the room like movie. It was. Uh, uh, it's got like Pamela Anderson and Keanu Reeves cameoing in it. It's set in like LA. It's oh, about these. Teenage- I've heard about this. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. We watched. I watched it like six or twelve months ago, maybe even longer. And I can barely remember it because it's like a fever dream. But I was. Mm. This, the guy who plays uh, Brendan was in that as well. Um, <laughs> highly recommend. That's actually really good. I reckon isolation watching. If you're yeah. just like a little bit tipsy or you know you're looking for something silly to giggle at. Look up SBF 18. It was on Netflix once upon a time. I assume it's still there. My big WTF moment. Um, in the last episode, Eve is walking out of the shopping center. I can't remember where she is. Work or whatever it is. Mm. Oh, no. She's got her name changed. That's right. Mm-hmm. And she looks into the car park and she sees a vision of Roy, the older mm. gentleman who died earlier. And is so startled by it, she falls over and drops her phone so it gets run over by a car. Mm-hmm. So, as far as I can tell, the mm-hmm. entire purpose of that moment was just to get her phone run over so that Brendan couldn't call her, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But what this is where I'm like, I talk about how clunky and average the show is. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about seeing Roy, if you ask me, the Roy thing had been dealt with. We didn't need the ghost of Roy hanging around, scaring her into dropping her phone, you know what I mean? It felt so... Again, I'm going to go back to CW or Hallmark. It's just such a clunky plot element to get something to happen that you want to happen. Does that make mm. sense? And it's that sort of writing and that sort of stuff that really let the show down for me. But the, I don't know if you felt the same way about that, if you noticed that moment. But I was just like, no, what I, was that? Yeah, I obviously noticed the moment. I think I thought something uh, relating to that would come later. Yes, and I was waiting and, for and that it, to happen. Yeah, and it, and it didn't, yeah. It didn't. So, what we didn't talk about, though, earlier was the ending, as in the big sort of like climactic, for lack of a better term, moment. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. (laughs) So, it sounds like for you, you found that satisfying. It was like the build-up and the payoff was right for you. Yes. I can see you through through Zoom (laughs) nodding very well. Nodding emphatically. Yes. Tell me about that, how that worked for you. Um. Well, it started. <laughs> Do you really want me to go into how it was? Probably? Okay, rephrase um, that. I lit some candles and. <laughs> sorry, what was the question? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. So that moment was a payoff for you. What about mm-hmm. the moment then? Let's let's move past that. We'll just assume you enjoyed that moment. Mm-hmm. The. The. I did. Brent- I thought it was sexy AF. I was like, "Fuck yes, get it, girl." Mm. I. I- I did think that the moment where they st- they're like dancing and stuff and they're all drunk on tequila, and I was like, yes, that feels realistic. That mm-hmm. feels um, familiar even to a sense, even that energy when everyone's sort of like Ooh, what's is in that here? space and like starts to just push a little bit, push a little bit, and they start to realise that everyone's actually up for this and then it yeah. starts to happen. I thought it was pretty – that was well played. And then how do you feel about the moment – which, again, you see it coming from a mile away, where Brendan mm. walks in and and it's like it's a reflection of the first episode, right, where Eve hears him with the girl in his room 
and then um, she he, this time around he hears her and then is you know pushes through and says, "What do you think about that moment?" Yeah, I think it's like you said, you you see it coming mm-hmm. not only from the beginning really of that last episode, but for the entire. Season, you, season because you know like it's julian that she's interacting with yes. therefore that's an immediate connection to her son so that is going to be a thing at some point um yeah i think it it makes me it made me excited for the possibility of a season two the, this whole kind of you know he Brendan is going back to the comfort of home, the the mm-hmm. familiar, the place where he's like praised and unconditionally loved and all of that kind of stuff. And then coming in and so abruptly and in his face realizing that you can never go home again because mum's fucking everyone, which is great. Um, in terms of what it means for Eve, I think the the pretense is over. Like she's not going to be able to pretend that she is like that asexual mother figure that she perhaps was before. Um, So I think I I liked it as a hint of what may or may not come next, I guess. The potential of it more than anything. Were you frustrated that that it ended where it did with like, we have the moment, Brendan's incredible facial expression, which I did enjoy, very well played (laughs) by uh, that actor, uh, Jackson White. And then he goes down to the stairs and everyone sort of leaves awkwardly. He has his hay moment I love the way that, um, what's her name, Amanda runs away. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was so perfect. It just kind of like quickly like scattering away (laughs) into the dark, (laughs) which is perfect. Um, And then, yeah, Eve walks out before they have a chance to have any conversation or anything like that. I guess I hope... That the what I'm looking forward to is the conversation, not that hey mum, you're fucking somebody my age. It's mm. did you think about why you're attracted to a 19 year old mere moments after your own son left? <laughs> like you are obviously you've been starved for attention from me, from this you know from her son for a long time. We would assume is now feeling completely alone and isolated without him, is trying to find herself, and for some reason is attracted to men the same age as her son. Like, there needs to be a very honest conversation having there because that is... Um, also, I don't up. think that's a conversation she should have with her son. I think Maybe not with the son. Therapy, the show needs to- <laughs> yeah, yeah, the show yeah. needs to have that yeah. conversation. Because I just kept thinking, it's like, this isn't coincidence, and I don't think she's examining herself particularly well in this moment. No, no, no. Did you? Nor ha- is she like willing to do that. Or that's not what this process is about. There's no real <laughs> examination. It's just pure exploration of just touching random things and seeing what she <laughs> likes, which I love. Did you have a least favorite episode, Damask? My least favorite. Um, I mean, I didn't really because I think, like you said, it does just kind of feel or could have felt more, but it does kind of feel like one movie, really. Mm. Um. But I guess I chose episode five, Invisible Fence. It's the one where Brendan goes to the body positive party and Eve goes to the party and fucks the really boring guy, the most boring person in the room, which was disappointing because as she walks through the party, you see all these gorgeous, like, you know, butch women and interesting looking people. And then she, yeah, chooses the boring straight white guy. Um, But I think at that point, while... Those two parties that both Brendan and Eve go to are like an important step for the next part of where they're going to go to next. So Brendan, obviously, you know, he has like a dance and a cute like 
kiss with Chloe and then obviously Eve takes that step from fantasy into reality. While not a great experience was just like her jumping forward, that was good. I think I just wanted to get to the – like the – not the point but like the really good stuff. Like I was ready to be satisfied. Sure. Yeah. So at that point I was just starting to get a bit antsy. It's interesting because I think that sort of dovetails with my least favorite a little bit, which is episode three, Care Package, mm. um, where I was like, there's only seven episodes. We're at episode three and it just felt like we were still building up. We were building mm. towards things. We would, And like, I understand they're building towards conclusion ultimately here, mm-hmm. but there kind of needs to be other stuff along the way. Like a film can't be, or a story can't be, the whole film is leading up to the confrontation. There has to be more confrontations along the way. And I just wasn't feeling a lot of that at that point. I was kind of getting frustrated that it wasn't getting to its potential in that moment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all. This is particularly, this is the drunken bar scene uh, mm. episode. So it's like, it felt so cliche. I just didn't feel like I believed what it was trying to make me feel about these characters and how they cared about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it ended with that uh, Alabama Shake song, This Feeling from Fleabag. I was like, you can't do that. You're just not allowed to do that. <laughs> uh, what was your favourite episode, Damask? Um, it's a combo between episode two and the final episode. I think because okay. I finally got what I wanted and I just found that really satisfying. Um, and I liked having all the people in the room together. Um, I liked where Brendan ended up, um, Mm -hmm. both just simply like traveling back in the car with that guy, but also like, you know, crying in the shower and realizing that he totally fucked himself over. Yep. Um, And that, yeah, it was his fault. Um, But also episode two, because I think obviously the pilot lets us know kind of what the story is going to be. In episode two, we start to see the fantasies. I don't think my eyes have ever been bigger than when she's in the supermarket in that popsicle scene. Sure. Good Lord. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was a nice little step forward. And at that point, I was really fascinated about where the show was going to be going. Sure. Uh, as I said in my review, episode one was the highlight for me, just in terms of like dramatic potential was really good. I really, 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 and I, and this is probably my own fault, but I was really connected to the, like, I was so heartbroken by watching Eve say goodbye to Brendan, who was complete shit to her, but she mm. is so defined by him that um, that I was just, I was, and because he's such a fuck up, um, what that must be like as a mother to be raising someone on your own who is he he has this problematic nature with with women in particular and all those sorts of things. I don't know, I just I found it so fascinating. And then I was so invested in her at that point that mm. when things took a while to get going, I struggled with the rest of it. So I don't know, I just found that um to be my I just thought the setup was really, really strong. It got me mm. ready for what I thought the show was gonna be. Yeah. And maybe it's my fault that I didn't connect from it from then on. Do you have any predictions, hopes or concerns for a season two? Um, I just hope there is a season two and I, yeah, I hope it is focusing on Brendan being back in the house and how that new dynamic of her kind of sexual liberation, um, interacting with her having to actively be a mum, um, those two things together is what I would hope for, but I don't even know if they've, uh, 
is a season two happening? Not, not being so. announced at this stage. I think there is hints that people want to make a season two, mm. um, but no, there's nothing been announced. I looked at the numbers. Viewership wasn't amazing. No one's particularly talking about it that I've seen. Mm. It did come out the end of last year, so I might be missing something there. But um, it's certainly not set the world on fire, I don't think, yeah. in that sense. But I don't. I can't imagine it's the most expensive show either. Like, it's a suburban college drama sort of thing. Like, it's mm. not... Uh, it's not particularly expensive, I don't think. If you were to do it, let's play just for the sake of... Um, oh, a bit of role play. Okay, where is this going? <laughs> let's let's pretend, let's do a bit of backseat screenwriter here for a second. What would you like to see? How would you see season two playing out? Let's assume it's another seven episodes like season one was. Um, is there particular beats or moments you'd like to hit? Like, for instance, mm. I can imagine uh, half the season, the first two or three episodes, I would hope. I don't want one episode. I want a chunk of episodes with Brendan back at home with Eve. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to have to go back and face the music at college as well. And so go back there and either try to get through his subjects uh, and pass or whatever it is, or flunk out completely and make that choice. That would be Mm. my Brendan story. Eve, it's going to be, yeah, dealing with the fallout with Brendan, trying to figure out, you know, who she is after all of this, the fantasy versus reality. And like, I don't know where you end up with that. I think with... Brendan, I I would like to see um, not a friendship, but some sort of connection be built with Julian. Um, And so obviously Julian has that thing that Brendan absolutely does not have, which is a real genuine interest in women. Um, For a second, I thought you were going to say his mother. I was like, yeah, there's a reason for that. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly Uh, different. Yeah, Yeah, He knows how to like communicate with women, he knows how to make them feel like loved and wanted, um, and I think Brendan and certainly has a lot to learn from Julian. Oh God, Brod's lost it. The Sorry, of- I'm just thinking. Oh, I actually really want that too. I want them to have a conversation where, like, Julian is somehow like almost instructing Brendan on, like, you know what you know women like in men, and Brendan the whole time is just thinking, "You fucked my mum. You fucked." <laughs> <laughs> like, did you do this to my mom? Is this what you mm. did? Like, oh man, that sounds incredible. I want that show. Yes, let's watch that show. Yeah. And I think, yeah, there's also, you know, something to be taken away of like this idea of, you know, you fucked my mom as though one, fucking someone is inherently disrespectful and yeah. two, that he has any kind of ownership over his mother, which he absolutely does not. Sure. Um. So I think there's something probably to take away from that as well. Uh, in terms of Eve, I think, yeah, I I can imagine that the more that she indulges in these fantasies, particularly when they are interacting with her work life, um, <clears throat> things kind of her, – her losing um, that sense of priority that she has in the senior centre, which she seems to take a lot of pride in, yeah. but her kind of losing that focus and just purely focusing on um, this – fantasy world which is fine but i think perhaps the balance um would tip um for her a little bit do you see a version of this where maybe she like she's obviously got these fantasies where she starts to explore like actually getting involved in pornography or you know filming like a weed situation i've not watched weed so i don't know is that a thing like a suburban wife um doing or participating in an activity that is seemingly untoward. Totally. Or seen to be I untoward. kind of actually thought that's where the season was going mm. for a lot of it. Uh, when she, there's an episode I think that starts with her watching videos of like 
milfs, I guess you would say mm. it, like, you know, amateur sort of like pornography sort of thing. And like they're talking about why they're doing it and you can see her sort of um, connecting with that that feeling, I guess. And I was like, mm. if that's where this is going, the idea that she like, because I tell you what, I also think the description of this show is like set me up for something that it wasn't as well. Like, I, See, I, was I didn't reading... even know the description. I just literally started watching the show. I didn't know anything about it. Like the description I kept reading was something about, you know, she takes on this other persona and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, this is going to be about like this suburban oh. mom becoming like a uh, cam girl or something mm. like that or starting to do amateur porn. I was like, that could be really interesting to... to... And then it, it just kept not going anywhere near that. Yeah, it kept, I'd like, love for that it. to happen in season two. Well, um, that's what I thought was going to happen in season one. I was waiting for that to yeah. drop based solely of how it was advertised yeah. to me. Again, I maybe really this my like, expectations got in the way. I did like the start of those, those porn videos that she was watching where they're like actively talking about consent. Yes. Which I thought was really cool because... And I know whenever I say this, people are like, oh, yeah, right. But I truly, I don't watch porn. I don't like it. Um, I don't find it necessary at all for you've me got, personally. You've got Mrs. Fletcher. You don't need exactly. porn. That's, that's what I said to Andrew. I'm like, see, this is all the porn I need. <laughs> just heaps of buildup and then just a beautiful, you know, Crescendo. barely see anything sex scene. It was <laughs> amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like I, I, I was like, oh, I, that's actually a porn that I would probably watch if i was to watch one we're like yeah you talk about consent and your own fantasies and why you're there and what you like expect out of the situation i was like oh that sounds way better to me than uh some of the porn that i have seen in the past which made me go good god no yeah Mm. All right. I think that's an episode. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordes, on Twitter at bgordes, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, I think the next episode we'll release will be, the next two episodes will probably be more Quarren TV Guide recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, listen, I'm going to put it out there. We've planned mm-hmm. to do Star Trek Picard Season 1. Mm. I, it's not that I don't want to do that. I just want to say, let's leave it up in the air. I don't know about you, mm. but I'm, I've found watching TV has been a little bit difficult in mm-hmm. this time. I'm finding, because it's such a passive thing, and there's a lot of stress and anxiety in the world at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot more... I'm having to be quite selective about what I watch. Mm. And so, we might have a discussion about what we watch. Something I've really leaned into, actually, there's this uh, I, <laughs> this British panel show, game show type thing called Taskmaster. Have you ever heard of it? Yes, I have. It is insanely fun and has been a great distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, so, maybe we'll have a talk about what we want to watch. I would like to watch something quite uplifting, if possible, or fun. Maybe okay. something we've been meaning to get to. I'm even suggesting maybe The Office or something like that, um, <laughs> which I know you've been wanting to do for a while, mm. just because it might be maybe a better time for stuff like that. But we'll I have mean, a discussion about I am about that. down for either doing some sort of comfort TV yes. or something that we know we love um, yes. that will make us feel good. I'm totally down for that. Absolutely. That's why I was thinking maybe it's a better time for that sort of stuff than to dive into the heavy things. And if really essential TV comes up, we'll get to it. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Star Trek Picard is on the list, but it might change. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. So, yeah.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 